Welcome to Teacher Guy, your one-stop location for continuing education. Welcome to Episode 2 of Teacher Guy. If you're returning, having listened to Episode 1, thank you very much for coming back. And if this is your first uh, listen to Teacher Guy, uh, thanks for checking out my podcast. My name is Don, and I am the host of Teacher Guy. I am a teacher of 11 years in the Connecticut public school system, um, having functioned as a teacher, instructional coach, and team leader, or department head. If you like the content of today's podcast, I urge you, please join the Facebook group. Uh, You can find me at Teacher Guy uh, on Facebook, or Teacher Guy at Collaborate 2018. Please join the group. Sign, uh, Sign up and join the group. Click the like button and join the conversation. Um, I'm going to encourage people to post questions and post um, potential topics of conversation uh, that you would like to hear on the show. So, without further ado, I would like to move to the first segment of our show, which deals with classroom management. Mr. X, I really don't think this is going to help me in my life. What are you trying to do anyway? I'm really bored. We always have those students who want to destroy the classroom culture, insisting they won't ever need to know the material. Why do I need to read Shakespeare? Why do I need to read Hawthorne? Why do I need to read Mark Twain? Why do I need to write this kind of paper? I'm never going to write this kind of paper ever, ever again. These are the questions I received all the time. And I'm sure there are English teachers, science teachers, history teachers that receive this kind of uh, um, feedback from students regularly. But there's a deeper truth here that I think we need to sort of explore. And I think that the students that we teach also need to have a good understanding of this concept. Uh, Years ago, actually in my first year of teaching, um, one of my students uh, was not handing in Um, his final essays in the proper formatting. And while that may to some seem like it's not that big of a deal, it's just, you know, the way it looks on the paper, what matters is what I wrote, I, of course, you know, as I was holding expectations to adhere to the MLA standards, I held the student accountable and the grade reflected that. Well, he got upset, and lo and behold, conferences were that week as well. And so in my first year of teaching, um, this is my first set of conferences ever. The parents come in um, and insist to me and, and feed back to me exactly what their, what their child had said to me. And that was, why are you taking points off of my, my kid's paper? What does MLA have to do with anything? I don't even know what MLA is, said the parent. It doesn't matter. It's just, you know, you're just talking about citations and quotes, and I don't even know what that means. And it doesn't matter anyway, because my child's going to come work for me after, and, and you're holding him accountable for things that don't matter. A parent said that to me at my first conference, um, one of my first conference blocks I ever, ever experienced as a first-year teacher. I had to face a reality right then and there. Parents and students don't always see the connection between the content and the material and the skills that you're teaching and how it applies to their real life. And this can end up in classroom distractions because your culture will be destroyed if you have regular students 
trying to call you out for material that you're teaching. As part of classroom management, it's our responsibility as teachers to be able to control the manner in which the students perceive the content. And so what I would suggest is that for every single lesson that you ever present, frame your lessons around the skills. Do not frame in the language of the text that you're teaching. Frame your lessons around the skills. Frame it for the students and then be able to frame it to the parents in situations like uh, the one I mentioned a second ago in conferences or in communication with emails, etc. So instead of having on your agenda on the board or in your Google Classroom or whatever material you use for communication, instead of just simply saying, well, today we're going to read Act 4, Scene 1 of Macbeth, or instead we're going to read pages 3 through 7, answer questions, whatever the tasks are for the day. Instead of framing it around that, frame it around the skills. Frame it around the skills and then come back to that and make sure your students have the ability to articulate the skills that you've worked on in class. Use strong verbs to articulate the skills that you're going to be addressing, to write, to speak, to persuade, and those verbs become the action that you are working on in class that day. And so the students don't necessarily say, oh, we're, you know, we're in class today and we're just reading Macbeth. Today, we're in class and we're writing, we're speaking, we're doing something, we're collaborating, we're editing, whatever the case may be, they're able to see that they're doing a thing. So in the end, they're not just coming in and saying, well, well, I didn't learn anything, I didn't, I didn't do anything. No, they have the language to be able to articulate that back to their parents, their friends, um, and even themselves. So one strategy that I would highly recommend in terms of making sure your students don't give you the, as, you know, don't give you the flack um, in class disrupting your, your flow about, well, why do we care about this? What does this matter? Get rid of that conversation. And one way that you can do that is, and this might be slightly cliche, but it has its place and it doesn't always have to be super formal, but incorporate an exit ticket. Question the students about how the day's skills could be applied. So end your class asking them to say, well, we did this thing today. We wrote, we spoke, we collaborated, whatever it may be. How can that be applied to the real world? So your job as the teacher is making sure you physically post the skills addressed in the, that language on the board or, or accessible to all students. Ask them that question and either have them write and reflect and come back and be able to spark a very brief discussion at the end of class about how you, they, they can use the skills that they worked on in class in the real world. So that question is built into your lesson and students will be able to articulate its application outside of your classroom. Hopefully then limiting the disruptions in class when you're constantly being um, told that what you teach doesn't matter. Also, I, I think this applies to a, a variety of circumstances, but one-on-one -on -one discussions with students who do question that. And it's, it's, you know, it's good that a student is questioning that, but you need to be able to provide them with uh, the, the skill to be able to see how to apply these things to their lives. But have a one-on-one -on -one discussion with your student with the purpose of making the student feel you are working to help them make the next step. If you establish that rapport with the students one-on-one, -on -one, 
then they themselves will be able to say, okay, I had that conversation and he or she is really trying to get me to be able to do something, not just remember that book or to write an essay for no purpose. So ultimately, get your students to engage with the material in terms of the skills that you're using and how they may apply to their lives outside of the classroom, and establish a rapport with those students so they're able to come to you with questions without disruption. The Birthmark, Nathaniel Hawthorne had she been less beautiful, if Envy's self could have found aught else to sneer at, he might have felt his affection heightened by the prettiness of this mimic hand. Now vaguely portrayed, now lost, now stealing forth again and glimmering to and fro with every pulse of emotion that throbbed within her heart. But seeing her otherwise so perfect, he found this one defect grow more and more intolerable with every moment of their united lives. It was the fatal flaw of humanity which nature, in one shape or another, stamps ineffaceably on all her productions, either to imply that they are temporary and finite, or that their perfection must be wrought by toil and pain. The crimson hand expressed the ineludible gripe in which mortality clutches the highest and purest of earthly mold, degrading them into kindred with the lowest and even with the very brutes like whom their visible frames return to dust. In this manner, selecting it as the symbol of his wife's liability to sin, sorrow, decay, and death, Almer's somber imagination was not long in rendering the birthmark a frightful object, causing him more trouble and horror than ever Georgiana's beauty, whether of soul or sense, had given him delight. The Birthmark, Nathaniel Hawthorne And now it's time for a lesson idea. One of my favorite things to do before any unit really gets going is to make sure that I have built into the unit a creative component. Creative components have the capability of engaging students at certainly higher levels of critical thinking. You'll often get those students who just don't want that, that just want to be fed information and they'll give it right back to you. You have to rise above that and provide them with opportunities to express themselves and their thinking and their knowledge and their comprehension in different ways. And so it's also important to vary the means in, in which you engage them creatively. When I taught either American or British uh, dark romantics or gothics, I would often introduce the units with some of the terminology that students would need as we explored the literature of the period look at the philosophies of those writers, uh, throw out some of those uh, prevalent themes of isolation, uh, fatalistic ideas, and of course the dark brooding tones and, and so forth. What I would do after introducing that material is engage them with what is not supposed to be a, a, an extensive project, but a short writing piece where students had to write a, a story, write a narrative. However, the application of the themes that we uh, discussed in the introduction of the unit would need to be present within their work. 
And so, for example, if I uh, was discussing or the students were discussing themes of isolation and we sort of broke down where we see that in our contemporary films or television um, or to those readers, to novels that they're reading, then they already have sort of a baseline to uh, explore. But they'll take that theme of isolation and they'll write a story from a first-person perspective about isolation and the impact isolation has on the psyche. And that's as far as you as the teacher need to go initially after providing them with the vocabulary and some of the story elements or the philosophies of the dark romantics or the gothics. So set them to task. Write a one to two page creative narrative where they're exploring that theme and they have to apply some of the tropes that you've already discussed. So you have that first step. Come back two or three lessons from them. Have that due date. They come in with their creative narratives, and now you have an opportunity to not only work with the content that you're going to be exploring, maybe you're about to jump into Frankenstein, or maybe you're looking at some Poe, depending on uh, which course you're teaching, but now you also have an opportunity to have students practice performance and practice dramatic reading and practice speaking to an audience as you have them stand up and share their stories. But engage the students one step further and offer a reward system for students to vote on the best story overall and which one and which one applied the ideas the best. And so students can even offer why they think this one was the best. So now you've engaged them at a critical thinking level once again. So engage them with an activity that requires them to think creatively, apply the material that you've already spent a little bit of time introducing before you get into the, the bulk of your unit, and then have them come back and practice another skill, and then have them evaluate that material and be able to discuss why this was the best application of the material that you've introduced. This is easily applicable to any content area. Writing across the curriculum is always encouraged, and this can be done, for example, in a science class. You can have students, after discussing perhaps the steps of the Krebs cycle or cellular mitosis, assign students to write from the perspective of a cell. Have them recount the experience as the cell goes through something. Maybe it's some transference of energy or, or, or what have you. Ask for proud volunteers to share the story and... If there are any elements glaringly missing, have the students in the class identify those missing elements. So give the students an opportunity to write a first-person narrative exploring some facet of biology or chemistry or physics and look at it in a smaller detail so they can show you they understand the steps. They can show you they can, that they understand the purpose of the process. You could also do this once again in a music classroom. Select a piece of music from any period and give students different roles, assigning them an instrument. Write a narrative recounting a story the instrument is experiencing, cueing off dynamics, tempos, rhythms, melodies, harmonies. What emotional or intellectual journey does his or her assigned instrument emote? So we now have another opportunity to write a first-person perspective, a narrative that will demonstrate that comprehension level and engage the students another step where they're able to say, well, this is the function of this thing. And so that's a lesson idea. Best practices. I know, it's your favorite time again. 
I thought today we would talk about assessment building. So easy. No, no, it's not. You've spent an entire unit discussing a concept, reading something, writing something, practicing, 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 and now you want the student to demonstrate what they are able to do with it. Not simply the vocabulary of your unit, but to be able to do something new with the material. One of my best pieces of advice for this is to ask questions that they've never been asked before. So create that first section of the assessment, that knowledge-based section, to be no more than 10 minutes of perhaps those multiple choice or matching questions. Move towards the comprehension questions as soon as possible. Have the students write full sentences responding, maybe one or two sentences, responding to a question that asks them to demonstrate the comprehension of the material. But the bulk of your assessment, about 50% or more, should be on evaluative questions, should ask students to regard something that they've never considered before. It tends to be essays, but could also be best choice questions with brief explanations. That's how you might construct a multiple choice assessment to be evaluative. It could also be a project-based assessment in which students use the knowledge to judge a situation. Example, of Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, which proves to be the most corrupt? Why? So they've read the material, They've considered the material, we've discussed, we've written, we've worked on other skills, and now we've dealt with the themes. But here's a question that I may or may not have asked my students prior to this assessment. They have to make a judgment on the corrupt nature of either Macbeth or Lady Macbeth and say which one is more corrupt. Now, you could have an argument of them both being corrupt, but that's not the point. They have to make a judgment on which one's worse. This could be applied in a foreign language setting, too, in, in a foreign language classroom. One could present a scenario and provide students with three possible ways of responding. Ask them to choose the best response and have them explain why it is the best choice. Perhaps it's because it was a formal question or informal, or perhaps the setting dictates one form of a word over another. So they have to make those judgment calls based on the scenario presented. And that is a best practice. Well, that wraps her up for today. Thank you very much for listening. And please, I do urge you to join the Facebook group. Uh, again, you can find that on Facebook at Teacher Guy or go to www.teacherguy at collaborate2018. Join the group, join the discussion thread. Um, and while you're there, hey, take a, take a stop over to the Patreon account um, and help support the show. I would love to be doing this regularly. And to do that, of course, I need to be able to uh, keep the lights on, if you will. And if you didn't hear in last show, um, I am the audiobook producer for a new novel available on Audible, iTunes, and Amazon called The Last Girl by Danny Lopez. And please check it out on one of those three sites and um, download it. Enjoy a good noir mystery. So thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's program. Good day. I'm Teacher Guy.